but I don't think that people on the East Coast and the West Coast think of it. And plus, Texas is really, really far away. It's if you're far from, from everybody except far. people in Texas. And even some people in Texas, it's far oh, from no, them. If you live in Texas, <laughs> Texas is far from Texas. <laughs> you, could, you could live in Texas and be like, yeah, that part of Texas is really far. That's far. Yeah, Big Bend National Park. I'll never get there. It's Texas, but it's far Texas. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about our first book, which was published in 2016, but is coming out in a second edition next Tuesday. I believe that's March 21st. And it's a book about the 40 best RV vacations in the country. So we're going to talk about what's in the book, give you a sneak peek of the book, and Stephanie who totally refreshed this book over last summer. I was not involved in that. She took that project on. Um, She's going to talk about what has changed in the RV industry, in the camping industries, basically in the last 10 years, because this gave her a chance to go back and look at the book and everything that we were thinking and writing about 10 years ago, and then see how it has all changed. So Stephanie, welcome to the show and great job on the second edition of RV Vacations, our very first book. Oh, Thank you so much for having me on to talk about our second edition. <laughs> Anytime. I mean, it's a big deal to get a book yeah, that's a yeah. second edition. That's not, I mean, this is the first time we've had a second edition. So I want to say yeah. this, like, if you bought this book eight years ago, you need to buy it again, people, because it's really totally been updated. Yeah. And it, it, so, yes, um, every single entry, every single phone number and email address and everything was checked right and if there were any differences if a campground had closed or a restaurant had closed and believe me this was written before the pandemic we'll talk more about what needed to be changed but this was obviously written before 2020 so a lot changed right especially in the travel industry over those couple years so uh there was a lot to change and we did it um and there were some things that weren't changed and we'll talk about that also But it was really interesting. This is our second edition. So just sometimes people like a little behind the curtain. Um, So the publisher reached out to us. Like we didn't know that this was going to get a refresh. And the publisher had reached out to us and they said, hey, we're ready to do a second edition on this. Will you both do it? And it was um, a very busy time for us. We had some deadlines, big deadlines. My gut reaction Uh, was no. I mean, I honestly yeah. wanted to say no, I can't, which I now on retrospect, right. I'm like, that would have been stupid. Yeah. And, and that, you know, you mentioned, oh, <laughs> Stephanie did it. Well, because your gut reaction was no. My gut reaction was yes, because here's what happens. If you don't want to do the refresh, it's not that they don't put out a second edition. They just get somebody else to do it. And the thought of having somebody else 
(laughs) writing anything in our book, you know, that we couldn't say like, this is what we agree with or this, like it horrified me. So I said, well, I want to say yes. And obviously if I say yes, I have to take responsibility for doing this. So it was my nights and weekends for, I would say like maybe two, what, what do you think? It took like over the course of like maybe two months. Yeah. I was like chipping things out over nights and weekends. Yeah. And, and look, writing a book is a lot of hard work, but I think I've never even asked you this. I think you enjoyed this project. I think you enjoyed going back and looking at something that we, that kind of helped start our careers. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. That, well, yeah, I did not enjoy it. Um, it was relatively right. Like it wasn't writing a book, right? When you're, when you're fact checking, you're not, it's not the weight of writing a book. So it's a little easier to do after a long day at work or something like that, right? You're not like reaching for some sort of like creative juice. So I did not enjoy it. Um, the thing, it was interesting, like, I'll be honest, I haven't opened the book in years, right? Like it was our first book. We've been putting out other books. We talked about this in the last episode or two episodes ago where I just said like, this book was our first book and we appreciate everything about it. But it was also very prescribed, right? Like it was an idiot's guide at the time. It's not now. They rebranded it. But it was like, here's your template. And this is what every chapter looks like to a head. Um, you know, it wasn't like our personal creation, which our later books were. So um, I hadn't looked at it. And I'll be honest, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> That's what I think the nicest part about it was, is that I was actually pleasantly surprised by revisiting our work. So that was a nice experience. I'm yeah, very and, critical. And it's you know really, this. Like, I hate everything I do. <laughs> well, which is why a lot of it comes out so great, I think, right? Because you're very particular. So <laughs> look, the, very stru- particular. the structure of the book is that it gives you, you know, what, what we're, we're making the case. These are the 40 best RV vacations in the country, which obviously people could argue about around the campfire. And it's quite a different book then the where should we camp next books because it really is not centered around campground reviews it's centered around the vacations so like the main body of each chapter does have three campground reviews but then it also has three restaurant reviews three three attractions and it's the same amount of word count for all of it so like the restaurant there's just as many words written about restaurants and attractions as there are about campgrounds and then there's itineraries too, like suggested itineraries, which, you know, we changed a little bit too, and we can talk about that. But um, it was interesting because I think looking at this, I realized how much more this was like a guidebook as opposed to our other books. Like our other bur- yeah. books are much more topical, like for campgrounds um, and with tips and tricks involved. But this is like more of a traditional guidebook and we weren't doing like off the beat and pat stuff right like when you're saying the 40 best rv vacations in the country it wasn't like we were finding hidden treasures we were it was an idiot's guide it was like these are the bucket list right rv yeah. trips for people and i don't you know it's we weren't funny. trying I, to be like smart <laughs> i don't remember i i don't remember too much about writing this book like we we typically like split the chapters in a book right I don't remember which chapters I wrote and which chapters you you wrote. I, I do remember them asking oh. us for a list of like, well, okay, yeah. so what do you think the 40 best RV vacations were? And, you know, there was back and forth and they certainly, they had input on that. 
Um, but I do remember like I wanted Cooperstown in there and they were like, no, they were like, no. you can't put that in there. <laughs> That's now, not it's, a like, bucket it's, list. <laughs> yeah. They were like, it's too regional. It's not yeah. like a national bucket list trip. And, you know, maybe in retrospect, they were right. But they had. Do you remember um, we put that? Remember you had that KOA map? Do you remember that? You had that KOA map they used to send out. I don't know if they send those out anymore. Yeah. Hanging in the garage and you brought it into the living room and set it down on the living room floor and we like laid out with like little stickies the trips that we were you know recommending because we needed like regional diversity and we used different color codes for like what a national park trip was or what you know like so we had these different categories and we were trying to find that balance and I just remember laying out the map yeah it was a long time ago (laughs) and it's cool because some of the trips are thematic it's not just like one destination but it's like oh do this stretch of route 66 or mm-hmm. do these Civil War battlefields, even though that'll require driving to, um, you know, a few Bourbon different locations. Trail, yeah. So it's a, it is a super cool book. And I'm, I'm so glad that it has been reborn. Uh, it even has a brand new cover um, with the cover photo by the amazing Mandy Lee. And that's really been one cool thing for me is they always ask us, like, who do you want yeah. to do the cover photo? And last time we had Monica Bennett do it one of our absolute favorite photographers and this time Mandy Lee did it and she's one of our absolute favorite photographers. So that was like certainly, um, I remember saying to them, we refuse to have like the, you know, like the typical stock photo of the class C RV that is like every RV book out there or whatever. We were like, that is not acceptable for us. Well, and some of those photos ended up in the book, in the inside the book. But on the cover, we were like, yeah. on the cover, we want like grand, sweeping, romantic, yeah. inspiring. You know, if this photo on the cover of this book by Mandy Lee doesn't make you go on an RV trip, then I don't know what will. So we're going to come back in a second. We're going to dive into this episode, and we'll start by um, Stephanie kind of walking through like some of these interesting changes that have occurred in the RV industry in the ten years since we got started. And I think some surprising things that stayed the same. And then after that, we'll give you a sneak peek of the book and tell you what 40 vacations are in there and and chat about some of our favorites. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals, but their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two, and it's true. This spring, we are stocking up our brand new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head on over to CamcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Camco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVAtlas10. That's CamcoOutdoors.com and use discount code RVAtlas10 for 10% off your entire order today. Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here together, Stephanie and Jeremy, talking about the second edition of our book, 
It's in a series called Outdoor Adventure Guides. This one is titled RV Vacations. The second edition is coming out Tuesday. All right, this podcast is coming out Friday on Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. This book will be in bookstores across the country. And that's actually a really cool part of this with this publisher. These bookstores are, are this book will be in bookstores across the country. And of course, available and it always has on been. Amazon. We found yeah. we found it across the country. Yeah, they right? placed the book well. over our travels throughout the years. You, if you pre-order it on Amazon today, it'll probably come in Tuesday or Wednesday when it's published. It's been completely refreshed. We would really encourage you to grab a copy. In this first second, we're going to talk to Stephanie, who who did the refresh of the book for the second edition, about changes that she noticed in the RV and camping space. And remember, the the first book came out in 2016, but we wrote it in 2015 based mm -hmm. on our experiences RVing from 2010 to 2015. So in a sense, yeah. you're definitely, you're talking about like what has changed in the last decade loosely. Yes. Uh, and obviously, you know, you had this global pandemic that changed so much, but um, I'm, I'm really interested in this because you and I have not talked through it too much ourselves, actually. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So the first thing you wanted to talk about in terms of changes in camping and RVing over the last decade is price cost, right? Like, so. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we had prices so, listed in the 2016 edition. You had to refresh that part of the book. What did you find out? Okay, so I'm going to say something that immediately everyone listening is going to disagree with, and then I'm going to explain what I mean. Okay, so everybody prepare yourself to be shocked and appalled by the words that are coming out of my mouth. All right. The first change, and I will note that I actually changed the structure of the pricing. We had numbers in the first book, this to this, right? In this book, we did the dollar signs, $1 sign, $2 signs, $3 signs, and gave people ranges for that. And we can talk more about why that change was absolutely necessary based on changes in the campground world, right? Okay. So the comment that I'm going to make is camping isn't getting more expensive. I mean, I actually, yeah, right. well, I saw it in your notes and I was like, <laughs> what is she talking about? And like, I yeah. was like, okay. I, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here is my qualifier for this. Most or many campgrounds have radically changed their value proposition. Okay. So I'll defend myself about camping, not getting more expensive. When you look at the prices for the traditional campground, like state park, boondocking, national park campgrounds, they are not more expensive. And in fact, in fact, when you, and believe me, because I was looking at hundreds of camp, right? Like I was refreshing these. I was looking at the prices that they were. And then I was looking at the new prices. Interestingly enough, when you look at the campgrounds that are those like mom and pop side of the road KOA journey campgrounds, the prices are not that different. You're, you're, you're totally right. I can back you up on we this. We are talking basic inflation. That's what we're talking. We are talking they have tracked to basic inflation. And you mean, and listen, now, you, you mean, I got to say this, mm -hmm. you, you, mean, you said like the KOA journey, yes. But you mean like the, yeah. the private family owned campground with full hookups and a small pool yeah. and a small playground. The backyard camp pool. Ground. Yeah. The back, the, yeah, a little tetherball thing. 
No, they haven't. And you can fight me on this because I looked at the numbers. It feels wrong to say that, but it's right. Like I did the numbers. I did the math. And then what happened is there is an extreme change in the value proposition of a certain kind of campground. So while a lot of these campgrounds were kind of staying the same and their prices weren't changing that much, there was this whole other group of campgrounds that became campgrounds on steroids, right? Like we put in multi-million dollar water parks and we put in um, spas and we put in pizza delivery to your site and craft beer on tap in the visitor center and all of these kinds of things. And we able to walk your dog for you in the afternoon. Just the value proposition of these kinds of places, it, it didn't exist 10 years ago. You're right. We wrote this book in 2015 based on, I feel like, a time period from 2010 to 2015 that was kind of before this huge shift. And we had mentioned it in the first book a little bit, like resorts are becoming more popular. People dumped so much money into these resort campgrounds. We were at the first, we were invited to Massey's Landing when it first opened, right? Like it was like, they were like, we're doing something new, come see. That kind of campground is yesterday's news now. The Massey's campground is yesterday's news. Well, yeah, they got, it's like saturated certain parts of the country. There's tons of these RV resorts. They, They are more expensive because there were sort of capital improvements made that they had mm-hmm. to recoup money on. But then also, and there's still people out there listening to this podcast disagreeing with you going, she's crazy. Oh, okay. You well, then I'll explain talk, the rest the, of it. The, yeah. yeah, the dynamic pricing yeah. aspect of it is a huge mm-hmm. piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and and so also I'll say um, they're also speaking to a different client, right? So that's another, the value proposition. They're attract. They're trying to attract people that would normally stay at a hotel or a rental VRBO, Airbnb, right? So they're going after a hospitality segment that didn't used to stay at campgrounds. And that's changing the pricing dynamic. Oh my and, God. You and those got... campgrounds. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're saying so many interesting <laughs> things. That is such a big part of this dynamic. So through COVID, yeah. all of these new people got into camping and all mm-hmm. of those people were used to paying more for their vacations and paying more for mm-hmm. their nightly accommodations. So for them yep. looking at $180 a night, $200 a night for, you know, Massey's Landing or wherever it might be, uh, depending what part of the country you're in, wasn't as shocking as it was to people who had been RVing for 20 years and were like, all of a sudden, like, whoa, but here's the rub. Here's the problem. So all those people that, that became new to RVing uh, during COVID were like, okay, fine. Oh, we'll pay that price. We're used to it. We went on a cruise and that was it. What they didn't know or what they are starting to learn is that you've also got to take care of your RV. Yeah, if something yeah, breaks in your RV, you don't call the front desk <laughs> and say the heat's not working. Like if you're they at won't Mass- move your room. <laughs> if you're at Massey's Landing and you're like, my furnace broke my RV, yeah. let me call the front desk. They're yeah. not going to come. Right. So the value uh, proposition is different. A huge right. Part like, of why camping's and RVing has been cheaper all these years is that we bring the accommodation with us yeah. and we're responsible for anything in it that breaks, unlike on a cruise or a hotel room. So that's where yeah. this whole thing is a problem for me, because if you're charging as much as a hotel room, some people are just going to say, well, I'm going to go to a hotel room. 
yeah, yeah, I didn't say that I'm okay with the price increase in this one segment, right? We've talked about that. You know, I say no. I used to say, oh, the resort, when the resorts were in that one to 120 range, I used to say that's worth it. We don't spend money. We're at the campground. The kids are entertained. I can order like food from the snack bar. Loved it. Now at 180 and 200, you know, and you can tell everybody I'm being honest here. I say no all the time. I say that's not I worth it. I think one of the only places you, all the time. I, the only, one of the only places in the country I could convince you to pay that is Fort Wilderness. And I think other than yeah. that, uh, we're, we're checking out on that price point. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent checking out on it. So, and then the one last part of the price that I'll mention with this is you, you flagged it before the dynamic pricing. So this is what we had to do. And this is why I said we went to that like $1 sign, $2 sign, $3 sign. Because campgrounds, <laughs> again, there's these old school campgrounds that I mentioned before. They still have the same prices, right? Well, it's they didn't like, add water parks. They didn't, they, didn't, like, they didn't put in the capital improvements that would make them raise their prices. But I'm saying they're even the same price on a Tuesday as a Friday. Like, and in... You know, at, at this month and that month, like a lot of these, like the state parks, the COEs, like some of them have like off season and high season, but for the, for the pretty much like there's a price for the campground. So there's still this whole segment of campgrounds where prices have not really changed that much. And then there's this whole other segment, value prop has changed, dynamic prop, dynamic pricing was introduced. This has been going on forever in the hotel business, but the campground industry woke up to dynamic pricing after we published the first edition of this book. And that meant that somebody that was going to camp on a Friday at the same exact campground at the same exact campsite was going to pay a remarkably higher price than the person camping there on Tuesday. This is gigantic right now. So if you're the traditional kind of family camper who goes on Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend, you get a week off in the summer. Unfortunately, you are paying the highest prices in the land for camping. Mm -hmm. uh, where if you are retired and maybe go, uh, a lot of retired RVers leave for their RV trips Monday, you know, and come home Friday, um, you are paying significantly less. I mean, the family camper at particularly at RV resorts is getting hammered. And I think that's what you're kind of what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're going to more modest state parks or the little mom and pops, or you have flexibility as to when you camp, the pricing is not super, super different. Yeah. You, if you want to camp, right? Because we, we all know that this is the right people like, oh, that's not camping, right? Like if you want to do what people would call camping, you can still do it. And we can even, I mean, like we are, we even are still finding prices in places that we will fairly pay. Like we're doing it for both. We have the, like our sweet spot for prices for both spring break, right? Where it's at a resort, but it's not. I like, was fine with drugs. the price we're paying for a resort yeah. <laughs> at spring break. I looked yes. at the price. I was like, it's and not cheap. And then the cheap. summer too. Yeah. It's not cheap. That's not what I'm saying, but it is a, it is a reasonable value proposition. Well, let me talk about this summer super quickly. Uh, without I'm not even going to name the names of the campgrounds. You can figure out so no, easily if yeah. you want. So we're going to Cape Hatteras. The boys are really into surfing, and we wanted a full hookup site near the beach. And there's two campgrounds basically right next door to each other that at the end of the day, like both are about the same nice, like level of niceness. Like maybe one's a little more for kids, one's a little more for adults. The price difference between the two campgrounds was like 
a radical difference. So I think you're starting to see that where some places are adjusting their prices back down a little and some people are sticking to the COVID prices that got really, really high. All right. So that's our whole, do you anything okay. else to say on price or do you want to move on? No, talk about, no, like, that's enough. Yeah, you know, that was a lot. That, because, I, I, that was enough shocking, you know, but I hope everybody understands what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. No reservations have changed. Mm, How? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so this is just, we, there was, when we got into camping, we bought our pop-up and in 2010, 2009, 2010, we were given a coupon book and we were calling campgrounds to make reservations. I cannot stress the extent to which that was still the case when we were writing this book. Um, campgrounds did not have online reservation systems, hardly, right? We there was a few. We had to mail in checks. That... We had to write checks and yeah. mail checks to campgrounds. <laughs> yeah, for deposits, right? Um, this this has been completely um, disrupted in, and mostly by one company that introduced an internal reservation system for a chain of campgrounds or a franchise, a campground franchise. A couple, this happened in a couple of franchises. So these campgrounds had the ability to manage reservations online within their own franchise. So they didn't have to use like an online booking system like Reserve America or um, reservation.gov, right? So this happened. I I feel like this started to really gain speed, probably like when we were writing the book, like probably a lot of the KOAs and Jellystones were reservable online at that point. KOA had a good online reservation system before most people. Yeah. And now even as much as everybody was like, it was virtually impossible to to use those reservation systems for the state parks and the national parks like reservation.gov, as much as I don't think anybody is still like a tremendous fan of those sites. They have come a long way, baby. Okay, now the the ability to navigate those sites to see what sites are available and what hookups are there and all of that. I mean, the difference is night and day between what you can figure out on the website and what you could before. Well, for if you've been listening to this podcast for nine years, like a lot of people have, you'll remember me complaining, well, not complaining, but just saying, call the campground, call the campground. That's my tip. Call the campground. You'll get the best site if yeah. you call the campground. It's that's not as true anymore. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it pains me to say it. That's not as true anymore because the online booking systems have gotten a lot better. And in a lot of cases, yeah. you can see a picture of every single campsite. So like even for right. the Delaware State Park system um, or, or if you use CampSpot a lot of the time, there's pictures of the sites. And that's really what I want to see. I want to see the site I'm getting. So if an online system is smooth and easy to use and you have a campground map and then you can click on the site and see a picture of the site. I don't feel the need to call the campground anymore myself after all those years of saying that. I still think it's not a bad idea, though. I think you still call. Like, I re I think you were still on the phone with somebody from our. Well, they get lonely there now because everyone's booking. Everyone's booking. Online, <laughs> I think that you so were, you have, I think you that have you these camp store the woman. <laughs> And I then you were saying to me, and then you were like, well, it's between this site and this site. And she says this about this site and this about that. You know what site. I always ask? I was them? like, oh my gosh. Here's, here's my magic money question. What site would you pick? I always say that. I was like, if you were reserving for a week, what site would you pick? I think that kind of crystallizes it. But anyway, yes, I still do it sometimes, but I book online quite a, a lot more. So the reservations game has definitely shifted more online. Uh, if you have anything else you want to say about reservations changing, tell us. 
if not, you wanted to talk about the number of um, campgrounds in the book that uh, when looking at the first book from 2016 and revising it, a lot of the campgrounds that we had listed in 2016 had been purchased. They still exist, but they had been purchased. Oh, my gosh. So very few campgrounds were closed. Right. And you have to understand how remarkable this is in the travel industry. Okay. The majority of the changes in this book did not have to come from the campgrounds. I mean, the descriptions of the campgrounds had to change, right? Because it's like, oh, they, like, you know, we're, I'm looking, do they still have a pancake breakfast? Do they have now a, a heated pool? You know what I mean? So the descriptions had to change, but I had to change far more of the restaurants because they had closed and far more of the activities, like because maybe a vendor wasn't available anymore or whatever. Um, In the travel industry, I think having this many stable accommodations five years out, how many years? Six, seven, eight, however many years out it is from 2016. You were right. We were writing this in 2015. It's eight years ago that we were writing it. So eight years ago. So the number was is remarkable, I think, that we're stable. So it's a stable um, industry. If you want to open a campground, it's a, stable, it's a industry. stable industry. The thing that there were two major changes. First, KOA went through that real push for branding, right? So KOA went through this whole thing where they really wanted people to be journey, holiday, or resort. And it was amazing how I could see what the pickup on that was by doing this book because I had to change any KOA in the book. And there's a lot of KOAs in the book, guys, and that's because it's an idiot's guide and it was supposed to be an intro to RVing. And KOAs are great for people that are traveling long distance on RV vacations that don't want to go off a dirt road and find a boondocking spot. So, you know, the, the that was one of the major changes. So many KOAs had different names because of that rebranding exercise that they did. The second thing that was a major change was how many of the independent campgrounds that were in the book were now owned by campground. Can I call them conglomerates? Because it feels like large companies (laughs) by large companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say specifically, um, the sun land grab, right? I mean, tons of campgrounds. The number of campgrounds that were not sun resorts or sun properties when we wrote this book and we had called out these campgrounds for being really nice, you know, resorty kind of campgrounds. Well, sun basically, I don't know if they were using our book as a shopping list or what. They just went they were going around snapping them all up. So I'm actually concerned, right? Because this is print in a nutshell. We finished the um, revisions on this book, I think, in early July of 2022. I'm honestly concerned that <laughs> there's more sun properties in this book, you know, like that they actually oh, acquire even more. Oh my God. Right. So in other words, yeah. there might be one or two that have inaccurate names because yes, they've been acquired. Because acquiring. this yeah. is happening at such the, a rapid with, pace. With Google search though, like you could still Google search seashore campsites, which became a mm-hmm. sun property six years ago. I don't know. And it'll come up though. So. If you're, oh, if you're, every single one. They always do that. And that's just SEO. Like, the, you know, these campgrounds are not, they're not dum-dums. Like, they know to make sure that when you're looking for a former campground, you're going to find the new one. The, um, yeah. So it'll still be there. I don't think they'll close no, no, them. Sun's by. the dominant player there. But there's, there's other conglomerates, oh, yeah. too. Like, 
coming out of nowhere. There's now this spacious skies I know, group of campgrounds. And I just am, I've which got is, my eyes like, on them. Yeah, there's like four, they have 14 campgrounds. Like, where did they come from? You know, I want to so go, I want to. So you know there's, one, there's spacious side campgrounds in the book. Do you yeah, know what their well, one of their first was? No. You don't know? The Luray. Oh, yeah, the, the K- what was KOA. the KOA is now Spacious what Skies. Yeah, the KOA I, I knew that, but I didn't know that. now Spacious Skies. And I didn't know really what this company was up to. I was just keeping an eye on it. And all of a sudden, and it's because, you know, it doesn't happen all of a sudden, but then they decided to basically do a big PR branding push. And now they're well, out they, there. They bought a campground an hour away from us in like mm-hmm. Dorothy, New Jersey, which I'm going to be real honest. I never really wanted to go to. It didn't look super nice. They bought it. They're doing all kinds of revitalizations to the property. I'm sure the prices will go up, but now I want to go to it. So Yeah, you but know, I think that what they're doing is, it. from what I can tell, and we can, hey, let's have somebody on the company to talk. I'm interested in this. I don't, you know. Um, what I think they're doing, it seems to me, this is my prediction, they're looking for those tr- more traditional camping campgrounds, not the resort campground. That's what I Full feel like ups, is happening. Pool, playground, yes. some nice amenities. I Clean, think there's a space simple. in the market for that. I think there's plenty of I people who want to pay 60 you know, mm-hmm. to 80 bucks a night for that, depending on what part of the country you're in, and not pay the resort prices. I think there's a huge gap in the market if that's what they're doing. I think that's pretty smart. Okay. So that was another big thing that you noticed. You also noticed more length of stay requirements and price lock mm. fees and different cancellation requirements. Um, maybe a lot of things that used to be kind of free and easy and con- you know consumer friendly are now a little bit more strict. Is that what you were seeing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, length of stay requirements. There was like one campground that we knew of with a length of stay requirement. Remember that? What is it? Uh, oh, oh, Otter, Otter Creek, Lake, Otter Lake, Otter Creek, Pennsylvania. What are those? Yeah. I mean, for years, I can't be. It was like, we can't go there. They need have a seven night minimum. Yeah. And that was like the only one. Like nobody had a length of stay. There are so many of the big new resort campgrounds that um, have instituted this uh, during the high season, right? Like during the summer season, there is a seven day requirement. And for some of them, this is like, this is airbnb stuff right this is like if you ever rented houses down in hatteras you know the house was rented from saturday to saturday i don't care when you can get there don't call asking for a three-day house rental no it's saturday to saturday and you saw this um really take hold uh in the campground industry as i was looking at the different um requirements and everything price lock fees did not exist back then now there's entire booking segments that they say, look, you can guarantee a type of site. This is like the hotel industry, right? You I said can guarantee price lock that you- fees. Did you do you mean site lock fees? Yes, yeah, site lock fees. Okay, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, like in a in a hotel, it'd be like, I can guarantee you a king suite. I'm not gonna guarantee you the 309 king suite, right? That that whole process moved. So to the campground industry. So a lot of old school campers are very used to being able to have the site that they want. Like, I get this. So campgrounds are really crafty. They were like, okay, we know people like that. So what we'll do is we'll say, okay, that's still an option, but you're going to pay us for it. And, and you're going to pay us an extra they like 40 20 bucks. bucks, 25, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Like, do you remember what were you seeing with well, the price on that? 
it wasn't um, negligible. Like when I was seeing some of the prices in like the 40s and stuff, but then some of them were like per night prices, right? So it was like a tack on of an additional, say, $15 per night. So then that would add up based on how long your stay was. Oh, some so of them are definitely per night. different methods of it. I, yeah, I, saw I paid the site lock fee for spring break, but it was like 20 or 25 and I was grumpy. Like I was like, oh God, but I wanted like, I wanted a site but, that I wanted. Yeah. yeah. So the last thing you have in your notes here for changes, we talked about a little bit already, but let me just see if you have anything else you want to say about it. Like you just, you seem to have been shocked about how few of the campgrounds had closed. Like almost all of the campgrounds were still open eight years later. That they yeah, had changed names I, or changed ownership I or whatever. I didn't keep track and I should have kept track. I, I could go, you know, but I, I feel like there was like three or four campgrounds that were like not campgrounds anymore. That's like that's that ama- amazes me. Yeah. Everything else was just was just um being sold, right? Or being bought, um, or being rebranded in some way, shape or form. So it's like I don't really so sometimes you don't really know what happened. Like, you don't know if ownership changed or, you know, or if they just became a different franchise. Some people leave franchises. So we know this, like, uh, um, somebody might leave the Jellystone franchise. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, happ- it happens a lot. I yeah. mean, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. with a, every year there's a couple campgrounds that leave and that hopefully mm-hmm. for them, there's more that come in. So Stephanie, yeah. um, thank you so much for this walk down memory lane here, camping then and now. I actually do remember our publisher asking us like, well, if you're going to do a print book on this stuff, because so much of it's on the internet, are all these campgrounds going to go out of business or their names going to mm-hmm. change? And that was actually a concern that we were asked about. And we sa- I remember we said, Eight years ago, no, campground industry is kind of stable. I don't think a lot of it's going to change. And uh, and we were right. So it still makes it sense is, to write yeah. books about things because books are slow-moving objects compared There's to the so internet. There's so much infrastructure involved in a campground, right? I mean, the site building, the hookups, the they're, like that's a lot of infrastructure. So there's value in that infrastructure. This isn't like a restaurant that could be another restaurant that could be another restaurant. It's hard right? to like, turn a campground into a, a strip camp- mall. Yes, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of play into that stability. And of course, the market boomed for camping over COVID, right? I mean, that probably mm-hmm. destabilized a whole lot. Okay, we're going to come back in a second and give you a sneak peek into our the second edition of our book, RV Vacations, which is coming out March 21st. But first, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bears, Jellystone Park, Camp Resorts. Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique, but our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park location has fun attractions like pools, water slides, splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day and all night long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides, tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed weekends like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. 
Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their awesome glamping accommodations as many of their locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2023 because it's not just a campground. It's a Jellystone Park. To learn more and to book your vacation today, visit JellystonePark.com. That's JellystonePark.com. And please, don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Now we are going to give you a sneak peek of our book called RV Vacations, which gives you the 40 best RV vacations in the country, as determined by Jeremy and Stephanie and our editors at Penguin Random House, who told me to <laughs> axe Cooperstown all those years ago. So the book split editors. into uh, editors. We have, we've had very good editors for all of our books. We We're have. very lucky. Lovely. The book is split into five regions. Okay, so we have the Northeast, the South, the Midwest, the Southwest, and the West. So let's just tell you what vacations we covered in each of those regions pretty quickly and just share a few of our favorites from over the years. So in the Northeast, we did Acadia National Park, White Mountains, New Hampshire, Vermont Fall Foliage. So some of the vacations were also about going a certain time of year, a little bit of a theme. Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Lake George and the Adirondacks, Niagara Falls, New York City. We had some urban camping in here. Pennsylvania Dutch Country. They axed Cooperstown, but they let us do Pennsylvania Dutch Country. Okay. Um, and Washington, D.C. Now, out of those uh, great RV vacations, and for each of those, we have three campground reviews, three restaurant reviews, three attractions, itineraries, highlights, fun facts. The chapters are really cool. Um, which of those was your favorite RV vacation, Stephanie? Okay, first of all, in defense of our editors, how many great campgrounds are there in the Dutch country area True. compared to the Cooperstown area? And the food. Okay, yeah. I mean, it really is a little bit more of a destination. Yeah, Cooperstown's too. like just about baseball. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. But okay, which of these is my favorite? You can know how I feel about it. I mean, that's like, oh, which is the most epic? Of course, everybody knows I love Acadia, you know, national park. So wah wah, that's a boring answer, but it's true. Well, and I it's probably I would agree with that answer. It's the combination of the mountains and the sea in one national park. So that's my favorite. But and I I'm, love all, all of these destinations are amazing like destinations. And I do like the fact that it's kind of been a little bit of our signature and it's true in all of our other books too, to include those non-traditional camping locations like New York city and Washington, DC, Washington, DC has been a family, um, like, uh, uh, a perennial favorite. We, well, we go back, we go back year <laughs> yeah, after year a to tradition. Cherry Hill. How did yeah. I how did I not have the word uh, well, tradition? Oh, in my Washington head? DC yeah. is a great um RV destination. I'm not saying every city in the country is a great RV destination. Washington right. DC happens to be one because yeah. predominantly because of Cherry Hill. I mean, there's other camping options in and around the city, but but Cherry Hill's a massive RV resort. You can almost always get a site there. You really can. Um uh, and it makes yeah. visiting Washington DC in an RV an absolute pleasure. Okay. So pleasure. in the south. I'm wearing my glass. I'm getting used to wearing glasses, everybody, long time listeners. It's not easy for me. 
uh, in the South. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mr. 2020 Vision until he was completely blind for like three years and it, refused it, it to hap- acknowledge it. It happened fast. Okay. In the South, we did the Civil War Battlefield Tour. That's really cool. Shenandoah National Park, which we love and think is underrated. The Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So again, there are some thematic vacations in here where you have to do some road tripping, which is is really cool. Mammoth Cave National Park gets a chapter. Memphis and Graceland get a chapter. And Great Smoky Mountains National Park obviously gets a chapter. So shall I take a turn? And sh- Oh, wait, and there's more. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Cape Hatteras National Seashore. Myrtle Beach. New Orleans, which is an actually a debatably another great um, city for an RV trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually bring your RV right into the city. You, and it's safe. Um, Walt Disney World makes it onto the into the book and the Florida Keys. Now, I'll say two things about this chapter. My favorite mm-hmm. vacation here is Great Smokies Mountain, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And, and we've done that trip trip twice. I mean, which shows you how much we love it. We went back. Um, you know, there are certain national parks that we love that we may never get back to in our lives. Uh, we went back to Great Smokies. Um, also, I'm We've been to, you and I have been to Cape Hatteras National Seashore so many times, and we're, yeah. um, we're planning on going We've back this summer with the boys. Myrtle and, Beach so many times. Oh, I know, We've been I know. to Walt Disney World I so know. many times. Yeah, the, so- this- the South is our playground for RVing, because yeah. we, in the Northeast, we often want to get to warmer locations. Um, and anyone yeah. from the Northeast, like, does a lot of RVing in the South, typically. Okay, so um, then the Midwest, all right? So in the Midwest, and I think we got a little <laughs> bit of slack from people that there wasn't enough well, from the Midwest here. They were saying that. Okay, so here's the thing. There was a little bit of back and forth about that because they were like, well, there's less in the Midwest. And we were like, because this isn't like the best whatever in every region. This is the best 40 va- RV vacations. And I know you people in the Midwest love where you live, but you can't say that there's better RVing va- like vacations to be had in the Midwest than in the West. Like, come on. Does anything, I, like, I don't argue that I about will, New Jersey. I'm not like, oh, New Jersey has better campgrounds I than will, Wyoming. <laughs> I'll defend the Northeast till the end of time for being, having all kinds of amazing RV destinations, but I'm done that stage in my life where I'll try to make the case that it's as good as the West. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I will admit. Okay. The West, the West, you win. Okay. The iconic RV vacation is to the national yeah. parks of the West. All right. But the yeah. Midwest, we 100%. have um, a chapter on Hocking Hills, Ohio. We have a mm-hmm. chapter Which is on. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, we have a chapter on Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore in Michigan, which shockingly, a lot of people don't know where that is. Um, yeah. Then there's a special feature on Traverse City Craft Brewery Tour. All right. There's a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. for the adults in this book. And then, uh, of course, there's a chapter on Mount Rushmore and the Badlands in South Dakota, which a lot of people think of as being the West, but I guess technically it's the far West of the Midwest. So, yeah. Stephanie, what is your, f- and I know you hate favorites, so you, I'll ask no. you it this way. Oh, well, t- okay, this one's easy. Sleeping Bear Dunes is, oh, I was just telling Mount somebody. Rushmore. No, I love Sleeping Bear Dunes. I was just telling somebody the other day, to, and I'll tell you why. I was saying, you got to go here because it is such a kid-friendly vacation destination, like outdoor National Lakeshore vacation destination. So kid-friendly. 
like just the swimming, the dune climbs. It's dog friendly. Like it's just a great location. I feel like it encapsulates some of the most special RV um, adventures that we ever had as a family. It, it, you're right. It's very safe. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like Yellowstone is there's actual real danger no. for young yeah. kids. Uh, yeah. Sleeping Bear Dunes, most of it's, you know, pretty safe, but still very adventurous. All right. We're going to come mm -hmm. back in a second and just take a look at the other two um, regions that we cover in RV Vacations, the second edition of our book that's coming out Tuesday, March 21st. But before we wrap up the show, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Go RVing. Go RVing's website, GoRVing.com, is packed with all of the information you need to get started and go RVing. Check out Go RVing's Get Started tab to find information from real RVers about buying an RV, renting an RV, finding a campground, and a comprehensive first-timers toolkit. The Buying an RV section includes a complete guide to buying a new RV and tips for visiting national parks. The Renting an RV section explores your options for trying before buying. The Finding a Campground section lets you search for campgrounds by state. The First-Timers Toolkit is a robust set of blog posts and how-to videos that will turn you into an expert RVer in no time at all. Go RVing's Get Started tab is packed with the content you need to become a more experienced RVer and have fun doing it. And this is just a small sample of the content you will find there. To find out more, head on over to Go RVing com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are just giving you a sneak peek of our book, RV Vacations, which is coming out in its second edition on Tuesday, March 21st, available for pre-order right now. We did a, a huge se a section on the Southwest. So in the Southwest, we have a chapter on Route 66, but focused on Tulsa to Oklahoma City. We did not attempt to do uh, a chapter on yeah. the entire length of Route 66. Well, because you could only pick three, like the template was three campgrounds, right. three restaurants, three attract. Like, how do you do all of Route 66? That makes no sense. <laughs> there is a special so. feature on top Route 66 attractions. There's a chapter that combines Austin and San Antonio. Sometimes we had to make hard decisions like that, like either combine them or leave one out or the other. I know a lot of people. Well, that was like hill country. And we really enjoyed we did a vacation that was more of like hill country in that area. And we thought that that was a great way to see the area. So that's where we made that decision. A hundred percent true. Uh, Tucson, Arizona. And of course, the Grand Canyon. Um, out of these vacations. I loved the, our trip to Texas and I loved yeah, Austin. I loved Austin and San Antonio. And here's what I'll say about both of those cities. We did, uh, for me anyway, I don't want to speak for you. We did not spend enough time in either of them. We, we, we were like a day in Austin, a day in San Antonio. Like I really like to slow travel and soak up a place and really experience like the food and the culture and the people. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was just one of those instances where we, we moved too quickly. Or like a trip like um, our South Dakota trip. We just took our time and did 14 days in South Dakota. Um, you know, but San Antonio and Austin, I felt like we rushed through. Okay. Now, yeah, I mean, in general, I think the whole hill, hill country was a great, and it, that is like, to me, an underrated destination. It is. And I think that regionally it's not. I think Texans know, oh, this is an awesome spot <laughs> for a vacation. Yeah. 
but I don't think that people on the East Coast and the West Coast think of it. And plus, Texas is really, really far away. It's if you're far from, from everybody except far. people in Texas. And even some people in Texas, it's far oh, from no, them. If you live in Texas, <laughs> Texas is far from Texas. <laughs> you could you could live in Texas and be like, yeah, that part of Texas is really far. That's far. Yeah, Big Bend National Park. I'll never get there. It's Texas, but it's far Texas. All right, the West. We did Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, we did a chapter yeah. on arches. Then we combined Zion and Bryce Canyon in a chapter. We did Las Vegas, which again is mm -hmm. probably one of the best cities in the country for RV travel. Absolutely very RV friendly. Uh, we did San Diego. We did Napa Valley in San Francisco. We did the California Gold Rush Tour. I loved the thematic chapters. Not a ton yeah. of them, but, but definitely the book is fun. flavored by the thematic chapters. Uh, and I think, honestly, Stephanie, I give you credit for those because I really think that you kind of concocted a lot of the thematic chapters here as opposed to just being like a national park. Um, we did Yosemite. We did Portland, Oregon. So there's a lot of urban camping in this book. If you are interested in taking your RV to cities and to urban locations, there's, there's plenty in here. We did a coastal Washington lighthouse tour, another thematic one. We did Olympic National Park, which uh, longtime listeners know that's my favorite national park. We did Glacier. Then we combined Yellowstone and Grand Teton, which, you know, eight years ago we did well, that. Today I, think that... I wouldn't. Oh, I, I personally on. wouldn't. All right. I know. They're right next I to would. each other. I still I know, would. I know. And in fact, I helped somebody plan. Like they had, you know, they were flying into Jackson and they were like, what do we... And I was like, look, here's your route. You're going to go up through the Teton. Like, I still I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying, you're, you're right. You're right. It is one RV vacation. If you go to Yellowstone and you just like, don't go to Grand Teton, like, uh, I don't, that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that's bonkers. I, they should be combined, but they should get a nice long chapter. And um, I think in this book, we oh, weren't okay, quite allowed okay. to do that. So you're saying you're just, yeah, you're okay. I get that. Like separate chapters, but like this one book. trip. So that's yeah. why they should be one chapter because they are a great single trip. And where should we camp next? National Parks, which comes out in, in April. Um, they just get a really long chapter. Uh, and then finally, we did um, a feature on top photo spots in Glacier, Yellowstone, and Grand Teton. So, Stephanie, in the West, either tell me what was one of your favorite vacations in the West Gosh. or tell me where you want to go back to. Like, where would you want to do? A, I know you don't like playing favorites. So, fine, if no. you don't want to play favorites. What place is calling you back for another RV vacation. Oh gosh. I don't know. This is this chapter is particularly hard, right? Okay, I will say Sandy. How about Sandy? That I'm gonna do a really wild card pick here. San Diego. Okay. Yeah. We want to take the boys it's different. There. Yeah, the boys want to go there. Um, so that would be fun. So it would be fun to go back with them when they're older and they're sur surfing that, you know, they're surfing now a lot and everything. So they really want to, I feel like a lot of our day. future vacations are going to be centered around surfing with our kids. Right well, now. because uh, yeah, if we let them run the world. Well, but you look, you're, we also <laughs> love the beach though. Yeah, no, right? no, I so love we, San Diego. Can... So it's not like a chore for me to go back there, but there's just a reason for everybody. So that's, a, that's my dark pick from All that right. list. Yeah. Stephanie, make your final pitch and we'll wrap up the show. Um, why do you think everybody should go out and grab a copy of RV Vacations, second edition? I think, yeah, I think that if you want somebody else to make the choices for you, this is such a great book, right? There's some people who like their bandwidth is like, I really want to use my RV. I really want to have a great vacation. Jeremy and I, I think are really good 
at knowing like what a lot of people will enjoy, right? We're not trying to be edgy. We're not trying to be cool. And we're not trying to be like, oh, we know something that nobody else knows. We're like, hey, these are really enjoyable itineraries packed full of things that most people will enjoy. And if you want us, this is a little bit like if you wanted us to make like really easy vacation itineraries for you. Take the decision making off the table. Our Where Should We Camp Next books offer a lot more options, right? Because we're trying to give you a bunch of different options and you can choose which ones are best. This I think is like a little tailor-made, handmade over manual time, right? Here's a manual. Go have fun vacation. You know, in that sense, it's a great book for busy people. I mean, a lot of people don't have countless hours to sort through uh, uh, to create a whole itinerary for an RV vacation. And frankly, we struggle with that, you know, and but it's part of what we do. Um, And you're really good at this. Uh, um, Your imprint is all over this book. You're really (laughs) good at mapping out not just like I'm, I'm really good at like we're going to love this campground, you know, like pick, oh, there's 10 options in the Smokies, but we're going to love, we're going to love this one. This one's right for our family. You're really better at, at mapping out a whole vacation. Um, and a lot of people really enjoy that. And if, and if that's the case, you can still buy this book and use it as one of many sources, right? As you, yeah. as you figure out what, yeah, that's you, what do. you would do. You'd be like, oh, this is a great vacation. Like, and it is. And then you, and then you dive in more in detail about more activities to do. But the sidebar itineraries, it's like one week, two week, three week. It really is like a big, long list of things to do in that area. Oh, you said something about that changed. Well, yeah. No, I mean, we talked about it. So I was looking at it. I was like, oh, I don't know. One week, two week, three week. I actually, this is funny because I actually pushed for, and I forgot where we landed on it, but I guess I didn't win. Um, I wanted weekend. Oh. Like weekend week, week, two week. Yes. That's what I wanted. Cause I feel like that was really how people travel differently. Like, a, you know, like a Vermont foliage long, even I said, Oh, can we do long weekend or something like that? Right. So yeah, that was a little bit of a discussion. <laughs> I was like, I thought I won that conversation, but when I look in it, I don't, but Hey, he, here's an inside scoop treat the itineraries like it's a long weekend, a week or two weeks. <laughs> oh, you could read it differently. Yeah, it's like, a, you like could read Stephanie's it telling you how to hack our own book. Yeah. So instead of looking at it as a one week itinerary, one a two week. week itinerary and a three week itinerary, look at the first one as a long weekend itinerary. Yeah. The second one as a week long itinerary. Two, a week. Yeah. And then the three week one, look at it as a two week. I, I like it. It would be like long week, seven, like, Long week, five to seven days, seven to 10 days, right? Because isn't that how a lot of people vacation? Like when I look at the um, New York City, it's like one week is tour the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building and Rockefeller Center, visit the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the National September 11th Memorial Museum in Central Park, see a Broadway show and walk the Highland, right? Like that's a jam-packed long weekend, but a fun one. So there you go. The last thing I'm going to say after talking about this book I really need a vacation. I don't <laughs> I know think about you. I you one coming up, dude. <laughs> what? You got one coming up. It's right around the corner. Three, three weeks. Three weeks. Got to work hard, and then we get to go on our, our vacation. Hopefully, we get good weather. Thank you so much for taking on this project, and uh, thank you, Stephanie, for not listening to my initial 
gut response, which was no, no, <laughs> we're too busy, <laughs> no. no, which is usually the That's other in way the around. Rear view mirror. It usually is. You're I'm usually, usually the one much like more no, willing to say no. Uh, but you, you, yeah. your, uh, your instinct. I am proud of this product. I'm really, you know, excited yeah. that yeah. the third edition. Yeah. I mean, the second edition's coming out. <laughs> and since you did the re- revision of the second edition, I will promise you right now on air that I will do the revision of the third edition if we ever have the All right. opportunity to do so. Thank you, everybody, and hopefully we'll see you at the campground. See you at the campground. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to thervatlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.